Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, believe it, by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, guys. It is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. I'm your host, Carol Ann, and I'm coming to you from the beautiful traditional territory of Nation on the Upper Sunshine Coast, on the West Coast of British Columbia, Canada. It is a beautiful day. I hope you'll stick around and listen to the rant. I am happy to be back for episode two, which I'm calling Water Part Two and Governance. It's uh, interesting times. So it's uh, doing a follow-up on our municipal council up in Powell River on the Upper Sunshine Coast in British Columbia on the west coast of Canada in the wonderful traditional territory of Tlaman Nation that are our friends, neighbors, and uh, self-treaty, self-governing treaty um, nation. And this water, if anyone listened to episode one about water bottling, our municipal council is considering a bylaw to prohibit the bottling of groundwater. But last week at a council meeting, gave direction to planning staff to write that bylaw in such a way that it would it would actually allow it would permit the bottling of any water except for groundwater and as i went into in my first episode podcast the the trick is <laughs> where does where does surface water end and where does groundwater begin because if anyone's familiar with water, <laughs> you, you can't hold back water. There are no boundaries with water. Water, you know, is water. So it's a liquid force. And if you study the hydrological cycle, uh, a lot of surface water becomes groundwater. So <laughs> the planning staff report stated clearly that it would be very difficult for the planning department to determine where where the water that's being bottled in a f- bottling facility is coming from once the facility is up and running how do you you can't tag water <laughs> you can't uh you know who's to say that a barge 
freighter tanker ship coming to our region with water in it, who's to say where the water's coming from is basically what the report said. So let's go back. I want to, first of all, city council has received in just like a day and a half <laughs> received where we're, I'm estimating we're over 300 uh, emails so far. Oh yeah, we would be well over 300 by now. Um, as of noon today, council received about 200 and almost like about 238, I think were, were, were logged in by noon and then staff cut that off for tonight's council meeting to, because they need to process and put everything into a PDF document and be prepared to circulate it to council if it gets adopted as a late item to the agenda. So after, between two o'clock and four o'clock, another 75 emails had come in and, and all of these emails are vehemently opposed to city council uh, uh, allowing the bottling of groundwater or surface water. So that had been, that was, that was pretty clear. They're definitely, it's a very complicated subject and, and, and I've been making mistakes over the months since we've been, you know, I wasn't dif differentiating between surface water and groundwater myself. I just was like, no to bottling of all water. <laughs> and, um, yeah, it's, it, it, you have to do a lot of reading and really kind of wrap your head around the differences between what and what is in the staff reports. And it's a challenge. It's not, so I don't expect the public to fully grasp all the ins and outs of this issue. It's, um, it's something that a lot of people study for a long time to become familiar with what the terms are and what is what. So so needless to say, some of the correspondence that council has received, there are, there are, there is misinformation in some of the uh, emails just because, you know, there is a lot of, um, there are a lot of emotions running high on, on social media, social media, you know, great for getting the word out. I mean, I, this, this is amazing to me that the community has rallied in such a way because Honestly, I, I didn't, I didn't think that there was time to rally anyone. So I didn't contact any of my, I didn't, I wasn't planning on emailing any of my contacts. I, I barely told anybody. I, I mentioned it, what had happened at the meeting last week to a couple of people who have been following this and asking me what's going on. And so some very passionate individuals sort of took this and ran with it and blasted it all over social media, much to my surprise the response was incredible. And, but because of that, and I think because there wasn't a, an organized campaign or a measured approach, there was a lot of high emotion feelings running wild and people sort of, um, you know, comments being made on threads and people misinterpreting a comment and then, you know, taking it elsewhere. And <laughs> the next thing, you know, the, some of the information is, is actually becoming sort of completely inaccurate. So, to be clear, the city itself, the city of Powell River is not, is, it has no jurisdiction over the handing out of water licenses, will not be operating any kind of water bottling facility itself, will not be, so it, it, what, where the complication happens is the city, all the city jurisdiction is, 
is around it's our zoning bylaw and our business licensing bylaw. And also our we have other bylaws like our waterworks regulations and rates bylaw, which manages our municipal drinking water, allows prohibits that that people a, a corporation or anyone cannot package for sale and ship our municipal water to a third party. So that's already stated in our waterworks regulations bylaw. So I, I was feeling like, okay, that's good. That's already covered. And so the province, the provincial government is the one that has the ability to hand out water licenses and has handed out water licenses years ago. Um, so I'll just read a bit from uh, one of the report, the report from March from the planning department that a zoning bylaw, which is the city's regulation, cannot restrict or prohibit the extraction of groundwater. The management of groundwater, including monitoring groundwater quality and quantity and groundwater extraction, is under the jurisdiction of the province and regulated by the Water Sustainability Act and the Groundwater Protection Regulation. However, zoning bylaws can prohibit a use such as water bottling in a zone or in all zones. So, so currently the city of Palaver's zoning bylaw does not explicitly prohibit the bottling of water. So a lot of what I try to express quite often at the council table, I have a bit of an advantage and I'm not at all bragging. <laughs> it's just that in my day job, I work for a construction company and I design houses. Basically, that's what I do. I, 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 I still do not. I've been working with the city zoning bylaw and the development permit, you know, guidelines and the, the official community plan bylaw. I still don't at all have them memorized or know them. I mean, I just, I'm lucky if I remember some clause on a certain section, like I, so hence, I am always opening up the zoning bylaw and the official community plan and the development permit guidelines in my day job. So ever since before I was on council, since 2003, when I started designing houses uh, and working with those bylaws, I have been having to try and understand, just like trying to understand the BC building code, <laughs> which is reading a bunch of legal jargon and some it's very, it can be very difficult to interpret. And so I do not fault or at all, uh, you know, I understand that regular citizens in our community don't understand the zoning bylaw. Like very few people probably do. And what I try to remind council and staff is that like council's somewhat more familiar with our bylaws, not necessarily very familiar with them, honestly, but the planning staff lives in the bylaws, right? Like the planning staff, the business licensing, the building department, like all of the, the engineering department, they live in the city's bylaws. They live by them. They enforce them. They, they make re revisions and, you know, amendments to them. So, so they understand them inside and out, basically, more or less, so I'm tr always trying to remind them that the general don't be like don't be um, faulting the public for not, for example, for for building a chicken coop within the rear yard setback because nobody in their right mind 
if you want to put a chicken coop in your backyard because you want some chickens, because you're trying to increase your level of food security in the community, who in their right mind is going to think that they need to look in the zoning bylaw to see what the setbacks are, right? Like I, or in the business or in the animal kit. So actually chicken coops, bad example. It's in the animal control bylaw. (laughs) So again, did anybody know that? Is anybody going to look in the animal control bylaw? I don't know. Some people probably do. Some people have probably been smacked on the wrist before and they know, Oh Jesus, I better go look in the bylaws. But a lot of people just do, they, they're like, this is my house, this is my yard, I'm going to do what I want. So I, I wanted to talk a little bit about governance and, you know, the like parliamentary procedure and, and the way that uh, the city runs because citizens um, are quick to jump to conclusions and because, and it's because emotions are running high and it's because people there's there's always a lot of fear and and absolutely mistrust of of all levels of government but i i i really want to i want to just remind everyone that something that i try to remind myself is that nobody gets into you know nobody does anything out of cruelty or out of you know personal benefit i think everybody especially especially anyone who would run for public office, which is, it, it's one of the hardest jobs ever. <laughs> and anybody who would put their name out there to run for public office, no matter what level, and I would say probably especially at the local level, because you're so close to your citizens, the local politicians are on the ground running into the constituents on a daily basis in the coffee shops, in the grocery stores, on the streets, you know, available by telephone and, and local government don't really have staff, right? So provincial and federal politicians have, you know, staff members that take their emails, take their calls, respond to things, help citizens find their way around so that they can attend their meetings unbothered. (laughs) I mean, they do more than that, of course, but local government elected officials don't have dedicated staff to help them. I mean, we can go to staff and ask questions, but we don't have staff to help us like manage our emails or manage calls or manage concerns by the public. So running for office at the local level is, is a a very challenging role that nobody goes into it thinking I'm going to screw this city over (laughs) or I'm in it for myself. Like, so I just want to remind everybody that obviously there's always going to be differences of opinion. And, and I quite often feel like a bit of a lone wolf out there and like everybody's against me. But I think I just, my mom raised me in such a way to really stick to my guns and stick to my morals and not let anybody sort of push me around. So I try really hard to, like I have a strong moral fiber and I know what I believe is right for the community. I do try to listen to other sides and I try to take in new information and other information. I will admit I'm probably pretty stubborn, just like anyone else would be if they're sticking to their guns. So I just want to remind people to be kind and it's not helpful to, it's not helpful to call people names or, 
to criticize personally or say that people are in it for their own gain. I mean, it's, I know I rant a lot too, and I can get pretty upset and frustrated too. I was pretty, I think I was pretty upset and frustrated in my episode one, but you know, reflecting on that and just reflecting on some of the comments I've seen on social media, I, um, I just do want to remind people that please be kind and please it's much more impactful, uh, especially when you're communicating and corresponding with government, different levels of government, even if it's just local government, it's more effective to be uh, respectful and factual and try to keep emotion out of it. Because honestly, I've been there. I, I was an activist before I got on council and I definitely tried to ruffle feathers and thought, oh, I'm going to write a letter and I'm going to tell those politicians how it is. And it's not effective. Like it's not, you basically just put up a big wall (laughs) for lack of a better term in front between you and the politicians, because they just, they may just write you off as a looney tune or, you know, just an aggressive, angry individual. And, and I mean, it's, it's, that's unfortunate. It's unfortunate that any labels get put on anybody, including from the public to the politicians and vice versa. So just wanted to speak about that for a minute, that the way that we communicate and, and, and I want to acknowledge that in this issue, which I'll talk about a bit more, hundred percent, the city did not communicate to the public this issue. And I'm just going to go over a bit about why that sort of thing happens and the misconceptions around that, but also between the public and local government, just try to be respectful and try to be um, factual. So try not to just send very um, quick, quickly, angrily (laughs) hashed out and emotional messages that, that really contain no facts or they contain slight misinformation Um, because it's not going to help anything. It's going to be basically rejected. It's going to be put aside as, as emotional and, and irrational. Right. So let's just try to be as factual and sticking to the points and the, and the jurisdictions of, of what we're talking about. That's my little blurb on that. And then some comments were made in the meeting tonight. I know some of the listeners will have been either at the, at the council meeting. And I do want to thank everyone that, that showed up at the council meeting at um, the back parking lot. And a few people came inside. I saw on the webcam webcast. Um, Thank you for everyone for respecting physical distancing and and being safe. I'm, I was, I think everybody was pretty worried that there was going to be a mob (laughs) and uh, yeah, that wouldn't have been good because that would have defeated sort of the activism that, that people are trying to do. But there were some kind of crappy comments made about tonight about governance, about good governance and about um, that governance doesn't happen on social media. <laughs> but again, it was just made out of frustration, um, you know, the, the emotion of feeling attacked, I think, is where that comes from. So when councillors are elected... Uh, newly elected, we get these books. <laughs> we get these books, and there's a there's a couple of really good books that I re- try to refer to when I get myself into a bit of a binder. 
I'm, I'm feeling puzzled about how to relate with another elected official or however, whatever the situation is. This um, fellow George Cuff is um, a well-known figure in local government, and he's uh, now he's been involved in 35 years in local government in different roles, and um, he's now he now has written these books, um, Cuff's Guide to Municipal Leaders, and um, the the second one, the volume two, is the Case for Effective Governance. So I wanted to just um, highlight a couple of things from this book as a reminder to myself as well, because I think we all have different opinions of what, uh, what definitions of what are. <laughs> so, so George Cuff says, what does, so what does governance require? So this is interesting. I, I like these little bullet points. So governance requires the following, an appreciation of people, a desire to serve others, a willingness to learn, a willingness to listen to one's colleagues, a readiness to compromise on issues, an understanding of the issues, research, reading, and checking out the facts, an understanding of the decision-making process, an understanding of everyone's roles, including their own, and patience. So that's a nice reminder of what's involved in governance. And um, later on in the role in the book, it goes into the role of a city councillor. So there is actually a job description for council. And it basically gets into the uh, what's the role of council and it's to guide. So develop vision, values, goals and priorities and develop, evaluate policies and programs. To guard, council is responsible to ensure people and fiscal resources are protected and ensure practices are in place to implement council decisions. And this one, govern. So the governance role requires council to represent the public, consider the well-being and interests of the municipality, and make good choices based on needed services and programs with regard to the level of tolerated cost. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. So those bullets are almost, it's a tricky, like it's a tricky balance because I know where I was, I've been trying to analyze where council, the majority of council were coming from, are coming from on this issue of bottling surface water, a letting a corporation come to Powell River and bottle water that they're collecting from a waterfall in Toba Inlet which anybody who knows anything about water knows that that is bonkers and in terms of sustainability. So that let's just put that aside and let's, and I'm trying to think, okay, so why, why does the majority of this council think that that is a good idea? Well, so obviously (laughs) the city has to not show a deficit, right? The, you know, the city is worried right now, especially, and this, you know, 
it's always an ongoing concern how we're going to pay the bills, how we're going to provide all these services. So every year we go through the budget. Every year, you know, the services to run the city cost X amount of tax dollars. And every year, a bunch of citizens complain that their taxes are going up and they're not happy. And then, so every year we talk about, well, what services should we be cutting then? And then we hear from the public, we don't want you to cut any services. And it's this kind of like, or it's, they kind of pick like silly things that don't affect them or whatever. So, so council and the city management of the different departments are always in extremely concerned about the, the fiscal responsibility. So that's one of council's main things is how you want to be fiscally responsible. You want to provide the services required that are mandated. You want to provide the services that are optional that the city has decided to provide. And we, to be quite frank, this, our previous council and this council are very socially minded and um, forward thinking in a lot of ways. And we've added a lot of services that, that had been talked about for years and years and years and could never get passed. And a lot of us buckled down, did the hard work and, and basically prepared to face not being reelected. <laughs> if things, you know, if we went too far with bringing in services like a social planning service and, um, you know, certain things that have been considered not part of a city governance structure before, but it was important to this council and the last council that we do these things and they cost money, right? Like, so, I mean, they, they cost money, but then they don't because they actually reduce, like bringing in, for example, a social planning service reduces costs to the community in many other ways. And so there are things that we're doing that perhaps might look like they cost more money now, but we'll, we will see a return on that investment down the road. And, and, a, and a reduction of cost to policing, a reduction of cost to healthcare, a reduction. So some of those things we, we won't maybe see up front because those costs will be saved in other tax areas. So it's a tricky balance, but you do all the homework and you do all the, you find out all the information and you try to educate yourself as best you can. And you have a lot of discussions in the public with different organizations and with yourselves and, you know, this is where we are. So I just want to say that I think that the majority of council, you know, the mayor full on admitted and I'll, I'll uh, you know, I'm going to probably play that clip in another episode describing the water bottling company that he has been talking to for quite a while. And he full on admits wants it to come to Pell River. So he let the councillors know, please do not accept <laughs> option one. We want option two or three because we want to make sure, and that's flat out said in the last week's public meeting, we want to make sure that we don't do anything with this bylaw that would stop this bottle water bottling business that's collecting water in Toba, totally legit, provincial license. We don't want to prohibit them coming to Palo to bottle their water. And... So the reason, so, so, so the city, it's not that they're, it's not that this is trying to happen in a bubble or behind closed doors. This, the council 
everything's public and all these meetings are public and all the agendas are public. As I said in my last episode, people are busy. People don't know what's on the agenda until the newspaper reporter who's sitting there, you know, at the committee meeting or the, the council in this case, we're having just council meetings every week in this COVID time instead of having committee of the whole meetings. So, you know, how, how do you, how does a counselor know what the hot topic button issues are going to be and try to warn everybody in the community? Like it's, it's pretty hard, right? You can't, you can't always know. I mean, I probably guessed that this would be a pretty big issue, but I actually didn't realize there was, I didn't realize there was that much support as we've seen already the day and a half. So every week for, since March, we've been having a council meeting. So I, I bet you nobody has looked at those agendas because you elect your elected officials to lead. So you, you don't, you figure, well, we're going to find out about anything big and scary and threatening. Well, so what happened, the reason this came to an agenda, this water bottling bylaw amendment is because the Merville water guardians asked us to please, they were advocating for please prohibit bottling of groundwater in your bylaws so that people who have ground still have groundwater licenses on Vancouver Island cannot truck the the water over to your community to bottle it because many other communities are starting to prohibit the bottling of groundwater because it's the biggest uh, threat of depletion. So that's why it was all in good faith why it was on an agenda because we asked for I was like, yes, (laughs) like I was pushing, let's get this bylaw amended, not having any idea initially that the mayor was trying to lure a a company that bottles water from a waterfall to come to Powell River. I had no idea initially. So I was a bit baffled in, uh, I think it was March, early March when the the bylaw, well, yeah, our senior planner drafted the bylaw to say like no bottled water, but it obviously, it wasn't clear to any of us. Again, I take full responsibility for not really being prepared to speak to all the nuances. And I just was like totally blindsided by all this discussion about, well, are we going to be allowed to like, what types of water does this mean? And there was all these questions. And so council said, send it back to staff to answer these questions. So nothing happened. Right. So it's just come back to, council last week with the senior planner instead of putting the bylaw in front of us again saying okay I've answered some of your questions but I still don't know what you want here are three options option one being where we were in March which is not allowing the bottling of any water um, you know and I don't want to say unless it's the municipal water supply because you can't we have a different bylaw that prohibits the bottling of municipal water, but it's to make beverages. So it allows, you you can make beverages with the municipal water supply, not with groundwater or surface water, or the two other options were, or tell, you know, you can bottle any water except for groundwater. So that's why it came to a public agenda last week with no consultation to the public. So some, some counselors tonight were like, I don't, you know, I don't know what all the 
fusses about, we're not deciding anything right now. Well, yes and no, because at last week's council meeting, council did decide, they, they gave a motion of direction. They, they made a motion and gave specific direction to staff to create the bylaw with a very clear direction of allowing the bottling of surface water. So that is, to me, is, yes, that's a decision. So I just, you know, started to get feedback from the community that we're not happy about this, what's going on, what, you know, so I was trying to, like, answer emails and try to put out fires and make sure that the correct factual information was out there. And so then I realized, okay, account... Councillor who votes in favor of the bylaw, which was Councillor Southcott didn't vote in favor of it, but he didn't put his hand up, which is a vote in favor. So um, I realized in our procedures bylaw that a councillor who votes in favor of the issue can bring it back for reconsideration, which if council agrees to reconsider the motion, then um, it's it's as though the, the vote never happened last week. So but it has to be to the next council meeting. So that was the sort of panic for me was, you know, I, I just let a few people know that if, if people want us to reconsider this motion, we need letters of support. So a few people went crazy with that and spread it all over social media. And I couldn't believe it. I didn't think we were going to get that many emails. So, um, so that's why <laughs> essentially then the peak was at the meeting last week, wrote an article, could kind of sense intuitively that this is a hot, hot topic and, and has probably been following it on social media. So they wrote an article and shared it around social media. So that also fanned the flames and got the community going, what the F is going on? And why is council doing this behind closed doors? Well, it's not closed doors. All public meetings are open. It's just, how do you, nobody's watching the agendas. Nobody's, there's, I guess years ago, there used to be like council watchers <laughs> who would like monitor all the agendas. And you really, I mean, that's what has to happen. If, if you want to keep tabs on what council's up to, you got to come to the meetings or watch them on the webcast or at least read the agendas, which is boring as hell for most people, right? Like who's got time to go on the city website, click on the agendas, open it up and start clicking on all the reports because you'll read the agenda and go, what the hell does that mean? You know, considering uh, amendment to bylaw, blah, blah, blah. And the zone, you know, like most of it is like, uh, I don't know what that means. So they've even started putting like brackets on some of the <laughs> agenda items so that people know what it means because I'm not even kidding. Last week's bylaws section of the agenda says 7.1 proposed bylaw 2600. If they hadn't put in brackets street vending, nobody would know that that's a street vet, uh, that's a bylaw to amend the street vending bylaw to make it easier for street vending. Um, and the keeping of poultry, they put in brackets for bylaw, proposed bylaw 2607. Normally it would just say proposed bylaw 2607. So for the average person opening up an agenda, they're like, I have no idea what that means. Who wants to sit there during dinner clicking through an agenda, opening up all the attachments and reading what's on the agenda. Like, I'm sorry, nobody's going to do that. So yes, the city <laughs> should try and do better. And I think that last term we had Councillor Skadsheim, former Councillor Skadsheim, Bad Karen, as she's known in, in this town. She was really quite incredible at sort of blasting the word out on social media if her spidey senses tingled 
And she felt that there was something that was going to be an issue. I'm just so flipping busy that I don't, I haven't had the time. And I think that's generally the case with most elected officials. It's like, unless something's your pet peeve, which this is, is definitely one of my pet, one of my, you know, issues, water and the protection of water and keeping waste down and all that. So, but I still didn't like, I just thought, oh, there's no time. So I was thinking, okay, we're going to have to wait. This is in my mind. I'm like, okay, well, we didn't consult the community. So I'm thinking this is ridiculous. We didn't consult the community. So we're going to have to wait now till the bylaw comes to council, like comes back to council for the review. And at that point, as soon as it's attached to an agenda, which it usually the agenda recently has been being published on Friday. Uh, no. Yeah. Friday. So the agenda will get published on Friday, but this is because we're having weekly meetings Friday for the next Thursday meeting. So that's not even that much time for the community to read the agenda. And so what we've been doing is then post, like it'll come to that council meeting on the Thursday, but then we just, we just get the information and then we forward it to a, the next week's meeting. Or if we think that there's going to be a lot of public um, you know, consultation needed or whatever, we'll forward it to two meetings maybe. And hard to say, I'm, I, I still can't even keep track of which bylaw amendments require a public hearing. So I, I'm not even sure if this one would require a public hearing. I would have to look into that. But um, so if there's a public hearing, then typically you know, that's where I would have to do my duty as a counselor to try to make sure at that point, holy crap. But see, that's where the, the, the citizens in the community would be going, how is there a bylaw written and a public hearing happening right now that we don't know about? We don't know why the city is writing this bylaw. So it's a really, I'm finding, I'm struggling with local government, um, just procedural, you know, I'm getting used to it. I mean, I've been on council six years now and I'm getting used to it, but it's still like, sometimes I back up and I go, if I was a citizen in the community that wasn't on council, it's ridiculous how the process is, honestly, because yeah. So we're going to let staff do all this work based on seven counselors giving their opinion and one letter that came in from a guy on Vancouver Island. So for the water bottling, we had a letter from a guy on Vancouver Island, Merville Water Guardians. Great letter. Laid it all out. This is what I'm asking you guys to do. We're all like, great. That sounds good. Let's do that. Send it to staff. Direct staff to do that. They come back with a bylaw. It goes sideways. Nobody likes it. <laughs> Send it back. Ask, answer our questions and then bring it back. So instead of bringing it back, we get a report saying, hey, I need more information from council. So seven counselors are dictating what this bylaw is going to look like. So then staff goes away again and is going to write this bylaw. Still, there's been no public in, public engagement or consultation on what does the community think about bottling surface water from Toba Inlet. And I'm just, and I'm repeatedly using that example just because the mayor and several councillors brought up that this is actually a possibility, this particular company, but it doesn't even have to be that. Like, I don't even know if potentially there are water license holders that have water license tenures on Powell Lake. I, I, somebody told me today that that's a possibility that somebody has a water license for Powell Lake. I have no idea. I don't know that. I should probably look it up in my spare time. But anyway, so it's, 
the whole process is a challenge. So I just, <laughs> getting back to what I was, good governance, I just want to encourage people to take a breath and, and be kind and try not to personally attack people or criticize because we're all in it for what we think are the right reasons, even though those reasons may differ greatly. So, um, and try not to bring too much emotion into, into it because the more factual you can stick to, I'm going to repeat that again, the more factual, the more respectful, the more sticking to the, you know, the main ideas, the better. And, and that's what I'm going to say about that topic. And, um, I'm going to, on, um, episode three, I think I'm going to go back more. It'll be, it'll be water part three in, uh, episode three, where we'll just, um, probably listen to some of the conversation from the, the council meeting, I guess. So I will, yeah, I'm going to leave it there and, um, hopefully we continue getting very <laughs> factual, um, to the point, respectful emails. And we can uh, figure out in this time of COVID, how we can better engage with the community on, um, getting, getting their feedback on the route to go here, because it is going to come back to council next Thursday, um, for a, uh, discussion again, or probably for, well, we're going to do the reconsideration motion, that was um, brought up tonight. So we're postponed that to next Thursday reconsideration of last week's motion. So it'll be as though last week's never happened. We will be accepting all of the correspondence that comes in by, I would say probably by noon next Thursday, they'll probably accept correspondence. So, um, so keep the correspondence coming in. I mean, tell, get more and, and not multiple pieces of correspondence per person. Thank you for those that (laughs) sent multiple pieces of different correspondence, but it's, it's, it's not, it's better to just get other people to try to get your family and friends to also reply, send their own correspondence. So that's actually different people. Um, cause yeah, it just kind of gets discarded if it's multiple people or multiple members of the same family that are probably all written by the same person. I don't think council, I don't know. There were a few comments made, but anyway. Um, so I hope everyone stays well takes deep breaths and hopefully get out and enjoy some fresh air and, and maintain your sanity and maintain your physical distance. And we will see you in the next episode. So for now, uh, stay safe and, and take care of each other. episode of the Real Rant Podcast, coming to you from the Upper Sunshine Coast on the west coast of British Columbia, Canada, and reminding you that we're all in this together. And please remember to have fun. Now go out there and get them. See you next time.